The following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. I just loved the way that 2011 finished off for our family last year. I can't say that every year, but last year was just such a joy for Anne and I to see our son Stephen get married and uh, finally leave home. No, I mean, that was... <laughs> Seriously, we just love our kids and we're happy for them to stay with us and live with us. That's fine. But just to see his dream come to pass was just awesome. And for him to marry such a beautiful girl was just such a joy for us because it was just a few years previously where Steve had to have a career change. And with a career change, basically... He started again, and it was just such a, a difficult time just to watch your kids. How many of you know that when they're little, your problems are small? When they're big, your problems... Yeah, someone, someone's shaking their head. It's just, it's just interesting that when you do uh, life with kids and they become adults. And, it, and, and let me tell you something, you never lose your heart for them. You always want to see the best for them. And, um, and when Steve had a career change and had to start again, it was really tough for him and incredibly tough. And we did the journey with him. But when you see the faithfulness of God, it is just absolutely awesome. And last year, when we finished the year, and there he was with his beautiful wife, and now they're in their beautiful apartment, and God's just blessed them, and we just see the incredible turnaround that God did. We just rejoice we just rejoice and we can declare God is faithful. And that's the message that I've got for you today, that God is the God of the great turnaround. He is in the business of turning things around. I'm a big believer that God has the last word and that if things look tough now, it's not the way it's going to finish. And you haven't finished yet. You're still in the middle of something. So don't look at what the score is halfway through the game. When the siren goes, when the hooter blows, when the fat lady sings, that's when it's all over and that's when the real scores count. And for some of you, you haven't finished yet. Some of you, you're still through. You're still going through what you're meant to go through. And you don't get out of the train when it's in the tunnel. That was uh, one of the favorite lines of one of my mentors, Frank Houston, who was uh, probably the father uh, that helped plant this church. His famous line was this, never get out of the train while it's in the tunnel. And for so many people, sometimes life feels like they're going through a tunnel. Well, when you're going through a tunnel, just hang in there. Just hang in there because the tunnel will come to an end and there will be daylight and that's when you will be able to see clearer because God will turn it around. Psalm chapter 30 verse 5 says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Come on, I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, Morning's coming. 
Morning is coming. Night will not last forever. Morning is coming and there's joy in the morning. There's joy in the morning. And I want to tell you, I just felt God lay on my heart and say 2012 is going to be the year of great turnaround for a lot of you. The year of great turnaround. Why don't you write it down? 2012, the year of great turnaround. If you have your Bibles, please open up to Genesis chapter 50. Verses 19 to 20, and I want to talk and just launch off this morning with the story of Joseph and the great turnaround in his life and the belief system that he hung on to. Can I just say to you that we all need strong belief systems to hang on to? Because if your belief system is like the waves of the sea tossed to and fro, you lose faith. But if your belief system is strong, then you can say what the psalmists say. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. This thing will not last. This thing will pass. And that's what Joseph had. This is what it says in Genesis 50, 19 to 20. It says, Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for I am in the place of God. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. You know the story of Joseph, how his brothers had tortured him, his brothers had thrown him into a pit, his brothers had sold him into slavery, his brothers had done evil and despicable things to him. But Joseph, towards the end, saw that God had turned the whole thing around. And he understood the whole spiritual significance of the great turnaround. And he saw, yeah, you guys might have met it for evil, but you're actually working within God's plan. Because what you meant for evil, God meant for good. God's able to turn around every situation. And I want you to see today that God is able to turn around every situation that you're in. And what the enemy has meant for evil in your life, God means for good. God is the God of the great turnaround. And that which was meant to bring you down is only going to lift you up. That was meant to squash you. It's going to elevate you because he He's the God of the turnaround. Oh, come on. If you're going to clap, make sure it's a good one. But if you want the turnaround, there are two things that are necessary. You say, what? I thought it was just going to... No, two things are necessary. And out of the life of Joseph, we see the two things that are necessary. Number one, if you want the great turnaround, number one, you've got to stay close to God. Come on, stay close to God. When things get tough, don't stray away from God. This whole story of Joseph is the story of Joseph clinging onto God. He never, ever abandoned his faith. When you read the trials of Job, he's another one who had a really tough time. What, what do you see that never once did he throw away his integrity? Even when his wife was telling him, why don't you just curse God and die? He was not willing to throw away his integrity. He stayed close to God. 
Can I say that the great turnaround miracle comes from God? So you need to stay close to God. And, and, and can I just say that sometimes it's difficult to stay close to God when you feel disappointed. And many times we go through huge disappointment with God. But God never promised that everything would go well for you. There is not one scripture in the Bible that says, if you follow God, nothing will ever go wrong. Matter of fact, what Jesus does promise you is that in this world, you will have tribulation. That's the promise. In this world, you'll have tribulation. He said, but that wasn't the deal when I got saved. Everybody said, when I get saved, everything will be perfect for me. Well, they were lying to you. They were... I don't know what Bible they were using, but they weren't using my Bible because I can't find anybody in the Bible that God saved and anything went well for them. I find that when people got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, the first evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit was trouble. Then it was tongues, but before it was trouble, you know. I mean, that was the first T was trouble. There's, there's, you just can't go through life and not have to endure there are sufferings. You said, but I didn't come to church to hear about that. I came to church to be... Well, you will. But we've got to come to grips with the fact that all of us are having to face trials, tribulation, trouble. The three T's. Trials, tribulation, trouble. They're all part of the deal. They're all part of living in this world. And it's God saying to us, don't get too attached Don't fall too much in love with this place because this place is fleeting. It's here for a moment and then it's gone. Eternity is where there'll be no trials, no tribulation, no trouble. But while you're in this world, you'll endure those things. But they're seasonal. Seasonal. Now, can I just say to you that when you go through your tunnel, when you go through your disappointment, when you're going through your trial, when you're going through your travail, when you're going through your tribulation, when you're going through all that stuff, there is an enemy that will want to disconnect you. He will want to disconnect you from God and from godly relationships, godly influence. That stinking devil. First thing he'll try to do is to make you so disappointed from God that you'll want to curse God in his face. You've done this to me. And one thing that I know is this. God is a God of love. He doesn't do this sort of stuff to you. All he says is this. When you go through it, I promise never to leave you nor forsake you. What he says is that even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, my rod and my staff will comfort you. I won't leave you. I won't abandon you. Though the world may leave you, I won't. But you know what? You can leave God. And that's what the enemy wants. For you to do. He knows that God won't leave you, but he can't stop you leaving God. God can't stop you leaving him. And so what the enemy wants to do is to try to pull you away from God. And pull you away from godly relationships. 
and godly influence. Folks, you need to make a covenant, and that is in 2012, that you will come to church, you will be in fellowship, you'll get involved in small groups, you'll get accountable, you'll stick close to godly relationships, and you will not give the devil a foothold in your life to try to distract you and try to tear you apart from godly relationships because your turnaround will come when you stay close to God and godly people. James chapter 4 verse 8 says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. When you're going through your trial, the worst thing you can do is to stray away from God. You need to get closer to him. And the closer you get to God, the closer he'll get to you. First Peter chapter 5 verse 8 says, be aware, be careful, be alert, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. How many of you have seen uh, documentaries of lions on the prey? The plains of the Serengeti of Africa, where the lions are on that, and they've got all the food available. They've got all the antelopes. They've got all these incredible uh, display of menu on the list and, and the buffalo and, and they're looking for a meal. And this is what the lions will always do. They will try to separate people from the flock. Sorry, they will separate, try to separate the animals from the flock. They will look for the ones that are straggling. They think, well, maybe the ones that are straggling are the weakest. But the ones that are right in the middle of it, they can't touch them. They can't attack them. But the stragglers, the ones that are lagging behind, uh, the lions gather around. And if you've seen any of the documentaries, you know they become prey. They become food for lions when they stay away from the strength of fellowship. What's interesting is, and if you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 17 to 18, we find that Amalek did exactly the same with the children of Israel. This is an incredible story in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 17 to 18. Now, you've got to picture this because you've got the children of Israel. They're, they're journeying to the promised land. Three million of them journeying to the promised land. And while they were together, my goodness, there was strength. While they were together, the enemy just, there's no way they're going to attack three million people. But what Amalek did, he looked for the stragglers. The ones that had disconnected themselves from the main bunch. And what happened was that Amalek just stayed behind and picked them all off. Bang, 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 bang. Just picked them off. Bang, bang. He picked off the stragglers, the ones that had cut themselves off from fellowship. And friends, you might know somebody that's cut themselves off from fellowship. Would you go find him? Would you go find him this year and bring him in and say, for your sake, I'm praying for you to have breakthrough. I'm praying for you to have a turnaround. But you can't have a turnaround disappointed with God, disappointed with the church, disappointed with the people of God. You need to be in team. You need to be in fellowship. And yeah, when you're around people, they might have a little bit of body odor. They might have a little bit of whatever. How many of you know that? When people are around you, you get to see their strengths, but you also get to see their faults. And again, God allows that. Why is that? Because we get softened 
by the people around us. They are like sandpaper that just smooths off all of our rough edges. Turn to the person next to you and say, thank you for being my sandpaper. That's such an encouraging word. Thank you for being my sandpaper. I'm a better person because of you. Go on, tell them that. I'm a better person because of you. Not through gritted teeth either. (laughs) Can I just say, if you're away from God, just one act can get you close to God. Just an attitude of repentance. Just an attitude of saying, God, I'm sorry for walking away. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I thought that it was better out there than in here. I'm sorry that I chose to disobey rather than obey. And as soon as you say that, it's called repentance. It's the most beautiful thing to attract God's attention. I, I just, I, I really believe the two most powerful things to attract God's attention is repentance and worship. If you want to attract God's attention, get into repentance, get into worship, and the presence of God is there. It's like God gets magnetized to a repentant soul and a worshiping soul. Greatest thing you can do is get close to God. So if you want a great turnaround, first thing you got to do is just get close to God. The second thing you got to do, is ready for this? I mean, some of you just hate this, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Here's the second thing that you need to do if you want to get a turnaround, is you need to be patient. I knew you were going to hate this, but I'm telling it to you, Anyway, be patient. Be patient. Your time of turnaround is coming. Romans chapter 12 verse 12 says, be patient in tribulation. And and, and so many of us find incredible difficulty being patient in tribulation. Man, in tribulation, we just want it to fly. But be patient. Be patient. Joseph had to be patient for 13 years. He got this incredible revelation from God that he was going to be a leader, that his brothers were going to bow down. He got this vision of his leadership and his authority. And then he was thrust into the wilderness of tribulation for 13 years. For 13 years, it was easy to throw away his vision. When You're in a place where your vision seems a million miles away. It's really easy to give up. It's really easy to allow your disappointments to just swamp you and overshadow you. But but, but, but can I say to you that if I went through this room and singled you out one by, especially those of you that have been walking with the Lord for quite a while, I guarantee that every single one of you would be able to tell me a story of when you felt incredible despair when you felt incredibly alone and away from God, but God turned your situation around. And you're able to taste and be satisfied with the turnaround that God did in your life. Well, can I just say to you that what he's done for you in the past, he will do for you again? Don't look at your situation and say, but this is different. This will never, ever pass. Can I just say to you, all things will pass away. All things will become new. Even this thing will pass. Now, I want you to write it down. I want you to write it down and cap 
capital letters. Even this thing will pass. A turnaround is coming your way and it will be a great turnaround. How many of you spend hours and hours studying the book of Revelation? How, how, how many of you just love memorizing? We used to have a member of this church that actually memorized the whole book of Revelation. He memorized it. It was a fascinating thing to watch him dressed like an angel, giving his recital of the book of Revelation. But I think for most of us, the book of Revelation is an incredible mystery. It's an incredible Difficult book to understand. Well, this morning you've come to the right place because I'm going to explain the whole book of Revelation to you. How many of you are excited about that? Okay, I'm going to explain the whole book of Revelation. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? Here it is, the explanation of the book of Revelation. We get to win. That's it. What? That's the book of Revelation summarized. We get to win. See, it was written to a bunch of Christians that were going through it. They were being persecuted. They were being destroyed. They were being killed. They, the, the heathen were on top and they were on the bottom. They were getting trampled. And so John on the Isle of Patmos gets this revelation. And the revelation is, ha the day of the Lord is at hand. Come on, the day of the Lord is at hand where God's going to turn everything around. Those that are on the bottom are going to be on the top and those that are on the top are going to be on the bottom. God is going to deal with evil. God is going to deal with the evil empires. God's going to deal with Satan. God's going to deal with dragons and beasts. God's going to deal with it all. He's going to stomp it under his feet. There's a king coming who's riding a horse and his robe is dipped in blood and on his thigh is written the name King of Kings and Lord of Lords he will rule and reign forever and we his priests and kings will rule and reign with him forever and ever and ever and all God's people shouted come on we get to win book of Revelation summarized for you be able to leave and say what did you learn at North Shore Christian Center we learned the book of Revelation in one morning absolutely be patient. Your day of great turnaround is coming. Can I just say while you're trying to be patient and you're working out your patience, don't settle for something less. I really believe in point two under being patient is that while you're going through it, the enemy will always come and try to offer you a substitute will try to always offer you something less than what God has for you. And even great people, great men of God like Abraham fell for this one. And so God had promised him the son of promise, Isaac. Promised him the son of promise. But Isaac was a long time in the coming. He was a long time in the cooking. And it just wasn't happening. It just wasn't coming. And so... They worked out a scheme. They worked out a way to make it happen. Can I just say to you, wait for God. Don't try to make it happen. Because if you try to make it happen, you're going to get an Ishmael. Because that's exactly what happened to Abraham. 
He got impatient waiting for the Isaac. And so he wanted to make it happen himself in his strength, in his power, in his timing. And can I just say to you, it's all wrong when you try to do it in your strength, in your power, in your timing. Ain't going to happen. Why is that? Because you can't rush God. I know it's frustrating and I know you don't want to hear it, but you can't rush God. He's never early. How frustrating is that? But he's also never late. But it seems late to us. He always comes in on time. But don't try to make it happen because if you try to make it happen and you settle for an Ishmael, you'll always regret that you didn't wait for the Isaac because the Ishmael never quite gets there. Never quite gets there. And can I say to you single ladies, be careful that you don't settle for an Ishmael. Uh, some guy will come along and, and, and you know this and that, but he doesn't fit God's plan for your life. And you think, oh, if I miss him, I'll miss out for life. No, 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 no. Just wait for your Isaac. Isaac is coming. Isaac is coming. And for you guys as well, don't settle for an Ishmaela. Isaac is coming. Ah, just wait for Isaac. She's coming. Glory to God, she's coming. And woohoo when she arrives. As you go through the Bible, you'll see incredible examples of great turnarounds. There's Joseph. I mean, he's, he's our text. He's the person we're focusing in on. After 13 years, can you imagine what it felt like this one day when there's a knock on his prison door? Joseph, wake up quick. Have a shave. Have a haircut. Have a bath. Have a shower. Why is that? Because Pharaoh is calling for you. Me? What have I done? Pharaoh is calling for you. Joseph had no idea that that day, 13 years away, was the day of his great turnaround. Oh, we can read it in the Bible, and it's a wonderful story, and we love reading wonderful stories. But can you imagine if it was you? Can you imagine if it was you? 13 years of trials and tribulations, and there's one day you wake up, and immediately you go from being a prisoner to being a prince. In one day, from prisoner to prince. In one day, from the prison house to the palace. In one day, God did the great turnaround. How is that possible? God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that we ask or think. He can do in a day what other people couldn't do in a million years. God can turn your situation around. And can I tell you, the great turnaround is coming for you. same thing happened for Job Job sitting in his distress and his turmoil I mean he'd lost his family he'd lost his kids he'd lost his he'd lost it all the only thing he had was a nagging wife and Ed's got a message that elevates Job's wife a little bit higher than I do but I'm just calling her a nagging wife 
There you go. Anne thinks a lot more highly of nagging wives than I do, but that's... <laughs> she was a grieving mother. Okay, we'll get that one sorted out. But she still nagged Job to death and told him to curse God and die. And uh, we won't argue that one very much, especially in church this morning, sweetheart. <laughs> Point is this, that in a day, God turned Job's situation around. When we got a whole book basically written about the trials and tribulations of Job, and we have to get to Job 42 before we get his breakthrough. But the fact is this, that Job probably lived 70 years with blessing, blessing, blessing. One year with turmoil and tribulation. That tradition tells us that his trial lasted for one year. And then the turnaround came, and then for the rest of his life, God doubled everything. And he lived again in incredible abundance and incredible blessing. And yes, even his wife turned around and became a great blessing to him. Amen. Then you've got the children of Israel. The children of Israel, 400 years in captivity, 400 years as slaves. You can read about it in Exodus chapter 12, where God turns it around. But what some of you miss is that when they left Egypt, they just didn't leave as slaves. They left having plundered the riches of Egypt. Get hold of this. They had the gold and the silver and all the clothing of Egypt. They just went to, their, to the Egyptians and they said, Hey, listen, we're going to the wilderness to worship. Would you give us some gold and silver? And, and they said, Yeah, sure. How much do you want? Well, we give it to you all. We're just going to the wilderness. To, and so they just took it. They just, 400 years of hard labor, God paid them in one day. God paid them for 400 years of labor in one day. Some of you think, I've gone through hard labor. Let me tell you that God is able to give to you from another source what you've worked hard to accomplish. Don't look at what you've lost. Look at what you're about to gain. Don't grieve and cry over that which is lost because that which is lost is lost. But God can make, up, can make it up to you and God will make it up to you. There is a great turnaround coming and that which the thief has stolen will be replaced sevenfold. How many of you believe in for a sevenfold return? Come on. Sevenfold return on that which is lost. I love the story in John chapter 5, verse 5, about the crippled man there at Bethesda, by the pool of Bethesda. A man crippled for 38 years. 38 years of trial and tribulation. He had no idea that this particular day, after 38 years of not being able to walk properly, having to be carried, having to have someone just do all the things for him, that Jesus was going to walk into his life and turn things around. Come on, understand this, that maybe you've been suffering for 38 years for something, but Jesus is about to walk into your life. Jesus is about to walk into your situation. Jesus is about to walk in and raise you up and cause the turnaround to come into your life. And who, for, who can forget the story of the woman with the issue of blood? For 12 years, she carried this thing. For 12 years. See, see sometimes we, we, we think in terms of seasons. But sometimes a season can be many, many years. 
many, many years. Sometimes a season lasts more than three months. And in this woman's case, it was 12 years of, of agony, 12 years of being ostracized, 12 years of being shunned by society. But this one particular day, she just woke up that morning and something in her heart said, this is the day of turnaround. This is the day of great turnaround. Why? Because Jesus is coming to town. Jesus is coming to my village. And all I've got to do is just reach out and touch the hem of his garment. And if I touch him, something will happen. A turnaround will happen. If I get close to him, he will impute his goodness into me and my turnaround will come. And you all know the story. After 12 years of suffering, she touches Jesus and gets the great turnaround. Her life was never the same again. The bleeding stopped the ostracism, being ostracized, it all stopped. All of a sudden, she became a center of it. Can you imagine what people said? Tell me what it felt like. Tell me what well, you all could have touched him if you wanted to. It's not as if Jesus only wanted me, but, 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 but you did it and something happened. Tell us about it. We're still talking about it 2,000 years later. Come on. This woman got the greatest turnaround and is being preached about in churches right across the world for centuries because she had enough faith to believe that a turnaround had come. I want to finish. Dan, if you can come up. I want to finish tonight by saying this, that God wants to turn your hard place into a high place. See, understand this, that in all things, God is out to make us a bigger person. And so you might be looking at your trial and tribulation right now and cursing it. You might be looking at it right now and despising it and hating it. And I'm not saying, oh, I just love it. Because some, some of the things that people are going through are, are horrible and tough. But just God's got this machine. I, I want to call it a machine because we can identify with machines. And he puts all the things that we consider rubbish into this machine and turns it around and it comes out good at the other end. Paul just says all things work together for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. But can you see it like a machine? Well, you put in all of your stress, all of your stuff, all of the, the grief, all of the pain into the God machine. And when it comes out the other end, he's turned it for good. He can turn your mess into a message. He can turn your test into a testimony. He can turn your scars into stars. That's what God wants to do. He wants to turn things around. He wants to turn things around. He wants to turn your tragedy into a triumph. And today, he's saying to you, would you just have faith to hang on to God because your great turnaround is coming. Your great turnaround is coming. Your great turnaround is coming. That which has wounded you will end up blessing you. That which has starved you will end up feeding that which is stolen from you will end up prospering you. Because God 
is the God of the turnaround. And your turnaround is coming. I'm going to prophesy into your life today. The great turnaround is coming. Come on, open up the palms of your hands to heaven. I want you to receive this word of prophecy. Your turnaround is coming. Your turnaround is coming. Your turnaround is coming. The great turnaround is coming your way. It's already been ordered. It's already been paid for. It's already been signed, sealed, and delivered. It's just right now in the delivery truck from heaven. God's already put it in the delivery truck. That delivery truck is on its way. It's got your address. It's coming to your place. Very soon, you're going to hear the honk of the horn. The delivery truck is going to turn up at your place. It's already filled. God's already filled it. He's already paid for it. He's already stacked the truck. It's full. It's coming your way. Can you see it? Come on. Can you see it? Delivery from heaven coming to your home. It's coming to your place. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Jesus has paid for it. He's paid the highest price for it. It's not rubbish. It's not imitation. It's the original. It's the real thing. It's coming from heaven to your place. The turnaround is coming. Lord, and I just pray right now for people right across this auditorium. For people that may be listening to this message on television. For people that may be listening to this message on MP3. People might be listening to this message on computer all over the world. Let faith be imparted today for their turnaround. Faith be imparted. And Lord, we just draw closer to you today. We just draw closer to you today because who can we turn to but you? Who else has the power to turn things around in our lives but you? the great God of all God. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 